Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Spin Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara McKinney, and with me today is my cat, Gypsy. She's eating right now, so if you hear her little nibbles, just enjoy it. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Well, not even really different. It's going to be a little bit all over the place um, because there's so much going on right now, and there's a lot to talk about. I think most immediately, everybody wants to know my thoughts on Khloe Kardashian's baby news, and I just, like, am out of thoughts at this point. Um, I do want to talk about it, though. Um, We're also going to talk about Kylie Jenner's um, three-minute private jet ride or whatever and all of that drama, and then we're also going to touch on... um, the new season of The Bachelorette, as well as the Victoria's Secret documentary that's airing on Hulu. So let's get into it. So a week ago from when this episode airs, a rep for Khloe Kardashian basically like sent out a press release that Khloe and Tristan are expecting their second child together via surrogate. Now, when you read that, that sounds like that's like new news but in reality this baby is due to be born like imminently so as we know of course chloe and tristan share true who's four and they shared that they were kind of like wanting to welcome a second baby i believe that was discussed on um this inaugural season of the kardashians on hulu um But it seemed like after his most recent paternity scandal, which I'll get to in a minute, that things were like officially over between the two. So this baby that the surrogate is set to give birth to any moment will be his fourth baby um, from three separate baby mamas. And as a reminder, his last baby was just born in December. Marley Nichols, an Instagram girl, Um, gave birth to her son, Theo, um, who she also gave the last name Thompson to. Um, She had to file a paternity lawsuit like during her pregnancy. um, And he fought against this. And then ultimately, it was revealed that he was indeed the father. And um, (laughs) then basically all Tristan did was like post an apology, like a notes app apology on his Instagram story to Chloe. Um, but it's important to talk about the fact that Tristan has another son named Prince Thompson. So this is going to be his third boy because, um, I didn't say that, but he and Chloe's new baby is a boy. So At this point, he's got three sons and a daughter. In addition to True and Theo, he also has Prince um, with his ex, Jordan Craig. Now, Jordan and Tristan were still together with this baby when Chloe swooped in and stole Tristan from Jordan. So to me, it's just like, I, I find it really hard to swallow that Chloe is so like dismissive of his other children. And that's just one example. There have been times where she's referred to true as an only child, which is simply not the case. And I say that as somebody who all of my siblings are either half or step, 
Um, but I would never consider myself an only child. And um, as somebody who is so famously close with her siblings, I don't, and including Kendall and Kylie, like she's basically saying that like Kendall and Kylie aren't her sisters. Like, I don't know. I just think that it's really, truly some ignorant white woman shit and I don't like it at all. All of that made me lose a lot of respect for Chloe and like all of this just keep contributing to that. But apparently this E! News article says that following the news that the two were expecting their second baby together, a source told E! News that the couple is not back together and have not spoken since December outside of co-parenting matters. So that's fucking nuts. So just as a quick timeline, so you know, like kind of how close all the children have been conceived in secession, um, his... First child, Prince Thompson, was born in December of 2016. That's Prince Oliver Thompson. Mom is Jordan Craig. And then baby number two is True Thompson, born in April 2018. Um, so a year and a half later, less than that, really, like 13 months later, True was born in Cleveland when he was giving birth or when he, sorry, when he was a player for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Chloe was, I mean, it's just terrible. He was caught cheating like days before True was born in April, 2018. And then his third son, Theo was born in December, 2021. And the mother had sued Tristan six months prior to that in June. And allegedly he was, conceived in March around Tristan's 30th birthday, which as a reminder, Chloe threw him that birthday party. Uh, so you can tell that Tristan's a shitty basketball player because he has nothing better to do in March but conceive babies. Like, that's mid-season. <laughs> so then in January 2022 is when Tristan posted that Instagram thing and said paternity test revealed that I fathered a child with Marley Nichols. Chloe don't deserve this, all this stuff. Never like, never fucking admits or, or like never walks back the fact that he like claimed that this woman was lying, like didn't apologize to Marley, the mother of his third child. Like, it's just so gross. Like this man is disgusting. And I can't believe that after like, after the cheating scandal before True was born, I can't believe that she agreed to have another baby with him. But there are theories out there on the internet that theorize that perhaps Chris or, you know, people assume it's Chris Jenner, but somebody in the family or all of them as a family have a pattern of like getting back with their baby daddies that's that applies to Chloe that applies to Kylie that applies to Courtney and it seems like they're not like supposed to they have some kind of pact to not have babies with multiple men that's a theory that's out there that they like from a PR perspective don't want to be seen as like baby mamas um they want to be seen as like you know, co-parents or like divorcees or whatever, but basically because they are also 
you know, open to having children out of wedlock that they have some kind of agreement where they're supposed to only have their babies with one man. Okay, I'm adding myself right now a little bit, but I love to lurk on Reddit pages and this Reddit page that's dedicated to the Kardashians, they all theorize that Kylie and Travis like don't actually like each other, (laughs) which um, I'm not really sure like what to think about them. They're both so strange to me. Um, I can't really read them. But as far as Courtney goes, you know, she tried to get back with Scott for years. It seems like her family really encouraged her to. um, And she just like would not take the infidelity is ultimately what we found out in the like finale with Andy Cohen of the card keeping up with the Kardashians, the original series on E we find out that um, Courtney says that she might've made it work with Scott had he actually stayed sober and not cheated on her. But she was like, I wasn't going to take either of those things. So on the flip side, we have Chloe, who is like the opposite. She's like, do whatever you want. Just like give me your jeans. She just like wants his jeans. <laughs> like, it's so bizarre. I don't think this man's that cute. He looks like he was definitely like a nerd in high school. He's just tall and has nice teeth. Um, his older son, Prince, is adorable. I mean, he does make very cute kids. <laughs> you know, but as somebody who I think was a really cute kid, I think that my mom would have liked me to be a little bit less cute and maybe have a (laughs) co-parent. So, But that's just my guess. I don't know. But as far as Chloe goes, like, again, she's really like dropped in my rankings of the Kardashian sisters, but the way that she like really dismisses his other two children, um, and their mothers is really hard for me to swallow. I don't like that at all. I don't I don't know. Sometimes I, I go back and forth between being like her self-esteem is so shitty. And then other times when it comes to like the other um, mothers and everything where I'm like, well, does she have shitty self-esteem? Because here she's acting very self-righteous. So... I can't really get a read on if she is like, if she thinks she's above everyone else or if she has shitty self-esteem or some kind of weird famous person combo of both. But I'm really interested to see how it all unfolds. I'm interested to hear the name. True's name, I think, is yet another way that she kind of clowned herself, like naming her daughter True, who (laughs) was born while her father was out like, with some bitches. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. But then also, you know, we obviously have to address the fact that Tristan was recently spotted in Mykonos, Greece, like last Thursday night. So this news was announced on Wednesday during the day. And then by Thursday night, Tristan was spotted in a large group of friends and then holding hands with some woman who the internet is claiming is Chaney Jones, who is Kanye's ex that everybody said looked just like him. Most of the Kardashians and Jenners have stayed pretty quiet on this so far, except for Kim Kardashian um, posting some 
cryptic quotes about regrets and shit like that. <laughs> I mean, uh, like they always do. They're usually like really big quote posters. I've noticed that that's like a trope among reality stars is they love to give like little um, Easter eggs that are, and I say Easter eggs, but used loosely, not in like a Taylor Swift way, but like <laughs> subtweets basically. Subtweeting if you're young and you don't know. Um, when I was in high school, everybody was on Twitter at the time and that was like a big place for you to like talk shit about people and then people see it and then be like oh my god she's totally talking about her and then it would be like without naming names or like tagging each other you'd be just like anonymously talking shit about each other so that's basically what these reality stars um do now and we see that a lot in the Bravo universe but the Kardashians are guilty of it as well and usually it's Chloe posting like quotes and shit. She's usually like down bad, but she's been like notoriously quiet and then, um, or uncharacteristically quiet. And then Kim is the one that's kind of like sounding off. So she posted a quote that says, life's too short to wake up with the regrets. So love the people who treat you right, forgive the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it takes, if it changes your life, let it. Nobody said it'd be easy. They just promised it'd be worth it. And if that sounds familiar, that's because that used to be like all over Pinterest. It's a Dr. Seuss quote and Dr. Seuss has been canceled. So Kimberly's behind. And then she also posted another quote on her Instagram story that said, girls can see the difference between 200 shades of nude lipstick, but they can't see red flags, which is so shady. Like that is so shady. If my sister posted that about me, I would be like, take that down. What are you doing? I want to talk about the actual statement that was released. You know, I love like the way that announcements and things like this are written. So I do want to talk about that for a moment. I believe that this story was given to Us Weekly to break. That's how it seems. The PR person says, we can confirm True will have a sibling who was conceived in November. Chloe is incredibly grateful to the extraordinary surrogate for such a beautiful blessing. We'd like to ask for kindness and privacy so that Chloe can focus on her family. And that's essentially like the entirety of the media alert. So let's go back. That means that obviously the timeline shows that when Tristan learned of his third baby that the fourth was already on the way. So he was actively cheating while they're going through this surrogacy process, which I just find to be so disgusting. Because, you know, it has to be kind of hard for Chloe to even, like, choose surrogacy because we all know that she wanted to have her own children. So a couple things about this wording that I find really interesting. It says, we can confirm True will have a sibling who was conceived in November. Okay, so that statement alone does not mention Tristan. Um, they took the approach of not even saying like Chloe and Tristan are having a baby together. Um, they did not use that language. We did see that in some headlines, but that's basically because that's what the publications chose to write. But it's really interesting to see that her own representation chose to frame it as true is getting a sibling, not Chloe and Tristan are having a second baby. Then the second sentence is, Chloe is incredibly grateful to the extraordinary surrogate for such a beautiful blessing. Again, 
basically putting it um, kind of outside of the two of them and making it more of a relationship between Chloe and the surrogate as opposed to a relationship between Chloe and Tristan. There's a lot of distancing going on here. Then they complete it with, we'd like to ask for kindness and privacy so that Chloe can focus on her family. Again, singular about Chloe, asking for kindness and privacy, typical, um, so that Chloe can focus on her family. And that's interesting for two reasons. Obviously saying Chloe can focus, and then it says her family. Um, So not just like so that Chloe can focus on True or her children. You know, it's like very pointed, I feel. Now I'm a lot more excited about the Kardashians Hulu series (laughs) I feel like with this first season, I was like, we kind of like watched all this play out already. I just like wasn't that interested in like reliving like life again. But with this one, it'll be really interesting to see the, um, the behind the scenes. All right. So we're still in Kardashian corner, um, but we're going to hop over to the Jenner side and talk about fucking Kylie Jenner just being a nut job. Recently, this Twitter account called at Celeb Dretz um, tracks celebrity flights, which I think it's a bot. So it just like, well, like it's configured to tweet out information that is like fed to it, meaning that somehow they're like getting this from like flight logs or like air towers. I don't fully understand, but this, <laughs> this celeb jets account tweets like different celebrity flights that are taken. Um, so the other day it tweeted, um, it posted her plane route after she flew 17 minutes in the air, um, to avoid a 45 minute drive. And then there was another instance, um, which I'm seeing, okay, honestly, I'm not sure if this is two separate instances or if people are, have like contradictory reports. Um, but I'm seeing that it was a 17 minute flight. I'm also seeing it was a three minute flight. So it's possible that it was a 17 minute flight total and then like taking off and landing, like made it 17 minutes and they were just like only cruising for three minutes, something like that. I don't know. Anyway, the point is um, it it would have been a 45 minute drive. Now that's literally like driving from like Dallas to Fort Worth, (laughs) which granted Jerry Jones does take his helicopter all around this fucking Metroplex. However, I don't think a helicopter emits nearly as much um, carbon as a PJ. The 45-minute drive that converts to a 17-minute plane ride is just, like, a really wasteful and, like, damaging thing to do for convenience sake. People on Twitter are calling her a climate criminal, (laughs) which I love. I love an alliteration. And then this tweet I loved um, from at Maddie Mevin. Oh, I think it's Maddie M. Evans. She says... Every time a paper straw begins to dissolve into my drink, I think about how Kylie Jenner uses a private jet for three-minute flights, and I get mind-numbingly angry. (laughs) Which I totally agree. It's like, what is the point of the rest of us trying to make a difference when in, like, literally 17 minutes, 
you can like destroy a forest. This was three days after she posted a photo of herself and Travis Scott on Instagram about to board a private jet. And there were like two jets like adjacent to each other. And they were like hugging or kissing or something. And the caption was, should we take yours or mine? It's just like, okay, it says, you want to take mine or yours. I was close. This tweet says, normalize shaming billionaires for flying in private jets because that shit emits in a one hour flight what a car emits in a whole entire year. Holy shit. That is crazy. This person says, even though they're rather small, 2% of the footprint of aviation, private jet emissions are growing even faster than commercial emissions. And a single hour private jets emit two tons of CO2, which is the individual yearly footprint we should be aiming for. On average, private flight pollutes 10 times more than its commercial alternative. So that one, like, to me, I'm actually kind of surprised that Kylie posted that. I think this is a really good example of my theory that they don't have people run their social media. I think the Kardashians do their own social media for the most part. Um, I think that other people are tasked with, like, making sure that they are up to date on trends and they know, like, what's cool and what's hip and what's in. Um, but I don't think that they have other people like post for them or approve their posts because this is the kind of stuff that like a team of theirs would be like, I wouldn't post that. <laughs> like, you know, maybe not both of them, maybe not in this economy, in this literal climate. Like I'm, I live in Dallas, Texas, and it's like 110 today, extreme heat warnings all the time, like global warming. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> and Hell is now on earth in Texas because of our politicians' sin. All right, that's really all I have to say about Chloe and Kylie. I mean, I just really sometimes can't believe how dumb they are. Um, and I'm not even saying that like disparagingly. I just, it really blows my mind sometimes how people who seem to be so dumb and so out of touch are so good at staying relevant. Those two things to me like don't really like add up. I feel like you have to kind of be in touch with reality to an extent to continue to be relevant. But, you know, maybe this is the beginning of the end for them. I don't know, because it seems like they are starting to like fuck up more frequently or like at the same time as each other, all of that. It's a real doozy. On to The Bachelorette. Okay, I have tried with The Bachelorette, The Bachelor, like I watched like the first few seasons of The Bachelorette and I used to watch The Bachelor. Um, I used to be like fairly into it before there were other dating shows. Okay, there were not other dating shows. This is the only show, the only two shows that you could see grown men snot cry on. So it was the only thing available. But now there are a million dating shows and they're all better than The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And they're more diverse. They're just, they're more inclusive. Like they're more entertaining. There's more to them. Like they're better shot, like the quality anyway. I think we're kind of like in the twilight of the life of Bachelor Nation, especially as the like contracted bachelor nation people are starting to like turn against 
the franchise after they're like kind of like done with their however many years they sign on to be part of it. I think it's become so much more of a job um, than actually like people wanting to find love. And obviously in the age of social media, there's questions about everybody's intentions, but I think the bachelor, the bachelorette, I think that they make it the most obvious. And I think that they're also the most like guaranteed to have success after the fact because even the villains even people that like nobody liked even people who have been severely made fun of like Anna Redman or like Caitlin Bristow like they still have massive massive followings and are able to make money creating content I think the Love Island people are starting to get that way but only overseas and I think that like because America is like kind of the entertainment, like the cheap entertainment capital. I don't want to confuse entertainment with culture here. So like, don't think that I'm saying that, but as far as like how far you can take your influence and following, I think that it's more doable and easier here in America. I also think we value fame a lot more here in America than abroad. I think we're just kind of like fame and entertainment obsessed here. So, so the bachelorette is trying something somewhat innovative here, having two bachelorettes at the same time, which does make it a little bit more like the like love Island shows and like other, those kinds of things, which I'll say, I do want to say, cause I didn't mention this. I recognize that Shows like Love Island came from like Bachelor in Paradise. Like Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor Pad were really like the blueprint for the modern dating shows. And I think that those kinds of shows with multiple couples are so much better than the ones that are just like one or two girls like cycling through all these guys. Um, I also, I don't know. I just like, I find the Bachelor Bachelorette to just be like cheesy and cringy a little bit. She's like, not for me. The two contestants, their names are Rachel and Gabby. And they were in the final three of the season 26 finale of The Bachelor. Um, That Clayton guy who was kind of cute, I guess. There was a messy situation with Clayton, Gabby, Rachel, and Susie. And now... Susie and Clayton are together, but she actually chose to leave the show in the end. And then both the other girls left single. Rachel, who's 26, and Gabby, who's 31, are like, you know, breaking barriers with this two bachelorette thing. That means that they have a lot more men and it's just like, it's just a little weird. (laughs) Because they're friends, but obviously, like, they're going for the same guys. And it's all just, like, slightly uncomfortable. Also, something that's, like, weird to me on this show is, like, how eager they are to, like, start kissing each other. Like, on the very first night, like, the limo night, the intro night, they were, like, complaining about guys not kissing them right away. And I'm like, on Love Island, it takes them like a week to kiss. It's like built up. But on this one, and then like they end up each like kissing one or two guys. 
and they have really boring conversations. And something about The Bachelor, Bachelorette and Love Island and Too Out to Handle, really like all these dating shows is I can never really, (laughs) maybe something's wrong with me, but I can never really tell when the couples are like, on the same page like if they like each other equally or not like in the very beginning like when they're having their first conversations I never know like when they go pan to their confessionals if they're gonna be like oh my god like we just had a great conversation I really liked him whatever or if they're gonna be like he was kind of boring however on this first episode of the bachelorette there are these two twins they together go for a chat that's love island um lingo but <laughs> they go have a chat all like all four of them they literally these two twins come up to gabby and rachel and they're like hey can we like talk to y'all and then they're talking together like as a foursome they were like speaking for each other it was really uncomfortable and so basically they were like the first to get sent home and it was really uncomfortable Ugh. something that i find really weird also about like the bachelor and all of their shows is the way that they like, don't let them sleep to me. It's like, it like borders upon like brainwashing, like culty weird MK ultra tactics because I mean, normally in previous seasons, I feel like they try to hide that. I feel like they try and they still kind of do with their language, but In this particular episode, it was really obvious that the sun was coming up when they were about to do the rose ceremony, which they end up canceling. But um, they're literally like, (laughs) they're like about to, they're about to do the rose ceremony and you can literally see the sun coming up. Like it's so obvious, but they keep referring to it as tonight, 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 tonight. And then at the, when they decide not to have the rose ceremony like at the end of the episode they pass around champagne and the sun is clearly coming up i'm like what the fuck what are they doing but then it like cuts and then all their glasses are empty so i think they just like gave them full champagne flutes and then we're like okay here are some empty ones to like do the cheers with and then it was just a weird continuity issue but i'm rambling now but basically i hated it this is like I think it's just getting so much worse. And um, as I've gotten into Love Island, which Stuart and I are super into this season, we didn't really like last season. It was kind of boring, but the season's great. And I'm just realizing how much better it is in every capacity. Like it's so much, the casting is better. The camera quality is better. The confessionals are better. I mean, the drama is better. The drama is insane. Like if, if you don't watch, they're also there like way longer. It's a, it's like a three month excursion and the bachelor is like two months and then bachelor in paradise is like three weeks or something stupid. Um, But yeah, I think that it's just, I think that the, the day of bachelor nation has ended i mean obviously there's still stands you know there's always gonna be bachelor stands some of my friends are like obsessed still and like have their little bachelor at nights and whatnot but i think that 
they're not going to be capturing any new audiences, whereas the others are. And I also think that their like their their success rate really sucks. On Love Island, they're not like forcing them to get married. There's not all this marriage and husbands and rings talk like there is on The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I think that's part of what's like super outdated. And I'm saying this as somebody who got married at 25. (laughs) And I think that it's weird. I think the like pressuring people into proposing the like marriage part of The Bachelor is what is making it lose its luster. Whereas on Love Island, they like allude to marriage and they'll be like, do you want kids? You know, like that kind of like compatibility stuff. And they'll talk about like wanting to find the person I'm going to spend my life with, but they're not so focused on the getting married part. And that's the part that really turns me off about The Bachelor besides the fact that it's shot terribly. I will say I love Jesse Palmer. I think he's a great host. I think he's actually like better than Chris Harrison, which they have the same background. Um, Chris Harrison was um, wanting to be or was one of the two a sports commentator before he got offered the Bachelor gig. So, and that's what Jesse does. So, you know. Uh, but now I'm boring myself, so I'm going to get off this Bachelorette topic and move on to the Victoria's Secret documentary on Hulu. I did not know what I was getting into. I didn't know all this stuff. And then I was telling my mom about it and she's like, you didn't know? I knew all of that. And I was like, how? But um, it's called Victoria's Secret Angels and Demons. And it came out on July 15th. It's really interesting. I was I was excited to watch it because last summer when Victoria's Secret rebranded, I actually like wrote a blog for my company website about it and it was really well received. Um, I'm going to just kind of like talk briefly about what I wrote. Okay. So basically around this time last year is when Victoria's Secret announced their like VS collective thing that they're doing, which basically they've recruited different public figures who are very diverse, whether in their sexual orientation, their race, their body composition, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. Um, very diverse group of public figures to become spokespeople for the brand. Um, I don't really fully understand like what it means <laughs> like to have these people just like, like, I don't really get what their purpose is. Um, it's defined as an ever-growing group of accomplished women who share a common passion to drive positive change, which to me is a very vague, fluffy statement. So the collective includes notable names such as Megan Rapino, Rapino. I don't ever know how to say that name. And they said it on the documentary and I can't remember how they said it. Um, Olympian Eileen Gu, plus size fashion model Paloma Elsesser, and then Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who I hate because she stole my man. They included it. They released this they announced this information in a press release and it includes the following quote a Victoria's secret. We're on an incredible journey to become the world's leading advocate for women <laughs> said Martin waters, the male chief executive officer of Victoria's secret. This is a dramatic shift for our brand and it's a shift we embrace from our core. These new initiatives are just the beginning. We are energized and humbled by the work ahead of us. So they said that a year ago, but they've been awful quiet. So I don't really know. Um, Basically what I said about it is that, you know, 
they ran this fashion show from 95 to 2018, which I loved as a kid. And watching the documentary, I actually like teared up (laughs) when they were talking about it. And they were talking about how like, oh, young girls are all going to want to be Victoria's Secret models and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I did. And then I had an eating disorder for six years. (laughs) But, you know, slowly the world began to shift and the body positivity movement took center stage around 2012, kind of led by Dove and Aerie. And they publicly declared their efforts to become more size inclusive. Um, They got really positive reactions from that and the effects were immediate. And then that's kind of where the decline for Victoria's Secret starts. In the documentary, they talk about 2016 being a huge turning point for Victoria's Secret and how by 2017, they were losing like $250 million in revenue that year, something crazy. It was like $250 million or $25 million, something like that. And the standout quote that I like highlighted in this blog is that good brands refresh when necessary, but great brands refresh regularly. And that's basically like what I don't get about this whole thing. But I, the documentary did a great job of kind of answering the questions I had. What I found to be particularly eye-opening about this whole story is that this man, Les Wexner, acquired Victoria's Secret from basically a mom-and-pop shop and turned it into something that, what I didn't realize, um, the world had really never seen it before. It was the first like high-end lingerie store. It was not trashy. It wasn't sexual. It was like... Um, it's, and it's an interesting kind of concept because it's about the male gaze, but for like, for the woman. So it's almost a little bit confused, but that's how a lot of fashion has been in the past because men run fashion, whether they're gay men or straight men. And the male gaze has so, for so long dominated fashion and Victoria's Secret is no different. So essentially he took this, this brand from this husband and wife duo who essentially created Victoria's Secret in order for men to be able to shop for their wives' lingerie through catalogs as opposed to having to physically go into a store. So the point was discretion, hence the name Victoria's Secret. It started out as just a catalog and it was very like, kind of like Parisian. It was totally different than what we know it as. But it was acquired by limited brands and this Les Wexner guy takes it over and completely revamps it. And his whole thing was about playing up the sex part of it, but also playing up the high fashion of it, making lingerie and underwear part of fashion where previously it was something just functional. So that answered a lot of questions for me because my whole thing that I kept, you know, not understanding about this entire saga is why did they not adapt sooner? Why were they so resistant to it? But then watching this documentary, I got my answer and that's that it was a brand run by men. 
And there were all kinds of female executives, sure, but they all said, you know, former, former, former. And they would talk about how every time they met Les, he was surrounded by men. Chief Marketing Officer Ed Razik. He was kind of a mess in general, but he was the person who came up with the fashion show and he did have a lot of really innovative ideas. However, he really like, I, I he just was like, such a misogynist in every way and i don't think he believed that women like really had the like sense or wherewithal to be able to know how to run a brand i think that he just kind of dismissed them completely and also when all of this movement was happening with dove and airy like i mentioned he was like well it doesn't apply to us i think these men just really thought that they were so like solid because they had been for so long didn't really think to listen to any of the women around them. And then the Me Too movement happens. And in the documentary, they mention that this Ed guy was historically inappropriate with some of the models, some of the women who worked for the brand. Um, overall, just a terrible guy. But then here's the part that I did not know about at all. Les Wexner was besties with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, besties. I mean, they lived together somewhat, like in a guest house situation temporarily. And then when Les Wexner moved out of the biggest townhome in New York, he sold it to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, there were reports of models being like essentially trafficked. I mean, it's it's terrible all the connections that they draw between um, Victoria's Secret and the Epstein case. So all that being said, I really encourage you to go watch it. I really can't like do it justice. Just you'll hear from a bunch of different people, and they're also like they're, they're all very eye opening testimonies so also i guess i have to say this because this is a pop culture podcast but just know that i don't care ben affleck and jennifer lopez officially got married and apparently she's like changing her name to go by jennifer affleck which is so dumb especially because she's not the first hello jennifer garner is the mother of his kids it's so stupid anyway i don't like them um i don't really have a reason i think just because of overexposure and I'm over them and they're old. So I'm kind of like, all right, well, you should be like, good. I'm glad you're married. You're like 55. You can get the senior special at Luby's. Like, come on. All right. That's all I've got for you today. This was a super long episode. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and feelings. Give me five stars on iTunes and or Spotify or whatever you listen to me on so that other people can find out about me. I love talking to just y'all, but you know, the more the merrier. Follow us at the Spin Cycle Pod on Instagram and join in our polls. Love you. Bye.